All right, welcome to Political as Heck. This is a podcast. We discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's going on, Todd? Hey, Corey. This is Thanksgiving week. It's going to be fun. All right. So, more trouble for Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes. This is coming amid controversy involving Tim Ballard, but this week, 26 lawmakers including Todd Weiler and the Utah legislature penned a letter to Senate President Stuart Adams, House Speaker Mike Schultz, the members of the audit subcommittee asking for a legislative audit of the Attorney General's office. In particular, the letter asked for an audit of the governance of the office, travel policies and practices, uh, whether staff believes the office is being run effectively, the extent of Reyes's relationship with Ballard, you know, including uh, Operation Underground Railroad and several other pieces of that. So a spokesman from the AG's office said they welcome the audit and will provide the auditors with all the information they need. Todd, you signed the letter. What made it motivated you to do that? Well, I mean, um, we, we've known for years that um, uh, Sean Reyes was spending a lot of time traveling outside of the office. And I don't think anyone disputes that, you know, that the AG, nobody's suggesting that he has to be chained to his desk, you know, 52 weeks a year, you know, 10 hours a day. But um, I, I think, um, you know, kind of the rumor on Capitol Hill is he's rarely in town. And, you know, he's shown up at, you know, the World Cup and um, Cutter and, and, you know, Anyway, I, and I think it's irksome to a lot of people, including some legislators, that um, when his travel schedule, like for the past two years, has been requested by the media, he won't. He refuses to release it, and he's making this intellectual argument that it's not a public record. And this is kind of the Utah equivalent of, you know, Bill Clinton saying it depends what the definition of is is. Whether it's a public record or not, um, he's a public official. He's being paid a full-time salary by the taxpayers of Utah. And people are asking, how often are you in the office? How often are you even in town? And he's basically saying, that's none of your business. And that that's just not going to fly. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I think with the Tim Ballard thing, so so, so let me just be clear. I've, I've known Sean Reyes before he was in um Office as AG. I, I like Sean Reyes. I think he's a good person. I haven't seen any evidence that he's unethical or anything like that. I, I think the perception, uh, whether it's true or not, but the perception is, is he's been bored with his job for a long time and he would rather do just about anything except be the attorney general of the state of Utah. And so, um, uh, and, you know, I, I think he's lost the confidence of a lot of legislators and you know, uh, your typical audit request letter will have two legislators sign it. That's all that's required is two legislators. This one had, I think, like you said, 26. And, you know, and th this was thrown together in one day. So I, I got asked, you know, like Monday morning if I would put my name on it. And I said, sure. Um, my guess is if someone had made an effort, they could have probably had 50 or 70 names on that letter. Yeah. Um, and, and I right now, I don't know a single. Well, I maybe know one legislator who's defending um, Sean Reyes and that that's about it but he you know it's it's kind of few and far between and I'll, I'll say this um, on, a, on more than one occasion the governor has had to delay press conferences like even during the legislative session 
uh, because uh, attorney, you know, Attorney General Reyes would find out his office would find out that the governor was going to do a press conference and he was expected to be there. And they'd be like, oh, sorry, he's he's traveling. You'll have to postpone that a few days if you want him there. <laughs> It, it, it's it's gotten just, um, I think, ridiculous, you know, that he's and, and I'll tell you when Shirtliff was uh, AG and when Swallow, the short time that Swallow was AG, we would see them in legislative hearings like they would come and testify, you know, about their budget or about a particular issue that they cared about. We never see Attorney General Reyes. It's always his office. It's always, you know, Dan Burton, who does a great job. Um, um, he, he's got a good staff um, and, and and nobody's suggesting that the office isn't running at all. But the question is, is, is it, you know, I think the real question is, is he's doing his job. And, you know, the, the thing is, is um, if our attorney general on the U S level, on the federal level, if he were, if he was AWOL, if he was Pete, Pete, Pete Buttigieg, you know, taking a four month paternity leave during the crisis or something, the president can fire him. But, you know, governor Cox, I'm not saying he would want to, but if he did want to fire attorney general Reyes, who is, you know, executive branch, he couldn't because, um, you know, and so that's kind of um, this impetus that maybe we should have, like some other states, an appointed AG. So if they're not doing their, if they're not interested in doing their job, they they could be terminated, and someone that wants to do the job could be put in there. That's some good insights. Thanks. So just for everyone's edification, the the Salt Lake Tribune ran an expose of Sean Reyes's use of campaign funds to take uh, apparently multiple lavish trips to exotic places and in some cases, luxury resorts and spent, he spent nearly half a million dollars in campaign campaign funds in a non-election year, which, you know, is on, you know, not typical. And, you know, it's hard to tell whether these trips were justified without knowing the facts, which I guess is why you guys are asking for the audit. And that makes a lot of sense because maybe some of these were good and maybe he's, you know, it's okay if, if you're going to Acapulco, but you're actually stuck in hotels, like meeting with officials the whole time. That's a lot different than than going to the beach, you know, or whatever, and having like one meeting to kind of justify it. So, um, to to your point, so Senator McKell has said he thinks it's egregious, um, and he's I'm guessing he's probably the main uh, the main driver of this, and he. He's the one that started this conversation about whether an AG ought to be appointed rather than elected. Well, I got to stop you there because I actually ran that bill in 2013. Oh, and, you did? Oh, yeah. And, but but it requires a constitutional change. So you'd you'd actually have to get the voters of Utah to vote that power away from themselves, which is very highly unlikely. But I started this conversation in the wake of the John Swallow scandals. And now, 10 years later, here we are. So That's interesting. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you said that. So, um I, I have also some experience here with um, having worked with the uh, AG in, in uh, Virginia. He also was bored with whatever, you know, like daily thing. And he, 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 he started diving into every little like national thing um, pretty quickly after he got the job. So there might be something about the AG's job that it's, it's a prestigious job to get elected to. And then once you get there, you're like, this isn't what I really want to do. It's, it, you know, um, so, well, and remember during the, you know, the uh, post November 2020 presidential election, it, you know, Reyes was down in Nevada, supposedly working to to prove that, you know, the election was stolen from Trump in Nevada. So I would just ask you, what what, what does that have to do with the job description of the Utah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, you know, yeah. Now we all want, you know, all Republicans want our, our Republican candidates to win. Don't get me wrong, but that sounds like maybe that would be the Nevada AG's job if if you're following my thinking. Yeah. The, the one thing I meant I forgot to mention was I think that, you know um, it's looking like you know that there were some problems with Tim Ballard and OUR, and I think the feeling is is while um, Sean Reyes probably wasn't you know, doing anything illegal or unethical or criminal. And I'm not saying Tim Ballard was, but there are some allegations out there. Um, but Tim Ballard was giving um, credibility to, to to Tim Ballard and OUR. And the, the question has been raised was, did he do anything that may have, you know, um, protected Ballard in an inappropriate way using his authority? Now, I don't know of any evidence that he did do that, but I think those are questions that we want answered. So on a related note, former state Republican Party chair Derek Brown has announced uh, that he is forming an exploratory committee to possibly challenge Sean Reyes for attorney general in 2024, because the AG is up in 2024. So Derek Brown previously served in the Utah House. He was uh, deputy chief for Mike Lee. He's now a lobbyist doing uh, legisl Utah legislature lobbying for, for a firm called Lincoln Hill Partners. Former Governor Gary Herbert will serve as chair of Derek's Exploratory Committee. Herbert actually appointed Reyes as Attorney General after the resignation of John Swallow in 2013. Of course, that's after the delegates um, decided to choose Reyes. So, Well, no, uh, the, the way it worked there, the delegates sent, I believe, five names to Herbert. So he had to pick from among oh, the five. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. All right. So he did pick him. It, and it wasn't the delegates. It was a state central committee. I was on the state central committee and I got to vote in that special election, but it was either three or five names. I think it was three names. And so Herbert had other names besides um, Reyes. And I, Gary Herbert has not told me this, but I have heard other people say that Herbert has said privately that his biggest mistake he made as governor was picking Reyes. <laughs> so wow. That, that's a nugget. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that is a rumor I've heard. We're breaking news right here yeah. on the Political Attack podcast. So um, so the real question is, is it, are these issues bad enough that Reyes is, is vulnerable to a primary challenge? And I mean, obviously, he's spent a lot of money. So his advantage would be his fundraising. But if he blew it, most of it, we'd have to go check and see how much he has now. But yeah, um, what do you think? You think he's uh, he's vulnerable? I do. Um, now, I, I, I also think he's an incumbent with very high name recognition, uh, but I absolutely think he's vulnerable. Um, and, you know, he's he's been attorney general for, you know, uh, over a decade. Um, and that is a unlike me as a part time legislator where I'm one of 104, he is in a, an executive position. And, you know, you look at Mike Levitt running for his third term as governor, you look at um uh, Rocky, uh, not sorry. Yeah. Rocky Anderson is running for his third term as mayor. Ralph Becker ran for his third term as um, Salt Lake mayor. Um, tr Utahns traditionally expect an executive level executive office that you should be kept to the same two terms that the president of the United States is. And so um, now Reyes's first term was kind of truncated because he, he got appointed, then he had to run for two years for the back end of Swallow's term. And so, I mean, whether this is whether he's running for his fourth term now 
as uh, attorney general or his third term is is up for debate. But he was appointed in 2013. He was elected in 2014, elected again in 2016 because he had to run for those two years. And then he was elected in 2020. And then he'd be running again in 2024. And I think Jan Graham may have served three terms as lieutenant uh, as AG. But um, Reyes, if he's elected in 2024, I think he will be the longest serving attorney general in the history of the state. And I think more than anything, some some people are saying, you know, it's time for a change. You know, let let somebody else get in there. Somebody who's maybe wants the job <laughs> and wants to stay in Utah yeah. and work. So, and I mean, depending on the the results of the audit, there there could be some plenty yeah. of um, and, and we're hearing that those results may not be out until after the November election. So that that's a little bit frustrating. Now we could put some pressure. These are the legislative auditors that were that were because. Because John Dougal, he could do his own audit if he wanted to, but um, he has that discretion. And then the legislature has our own team of auditors. And and we, you mentioned Derek Brown. Derek Brown's a friend. Um, Derek Brown is genuinely like one of the nicest people in Utah politics. He's always got a smile on his face. He's everyone's friend. Very competent. Very diplomatic. Um, and um, and and you know he worked at a big law firm in dc you know he's so he, he's a real lawyer i don't think he's been doing lawyer work you know recently but i will say that the attorney general is mostly an office you know head um the attorney general is not up at midnight writing briefs that that's not right, really right, yeah, yeah. and they're not even usually in court you know arguing uh, motions or anything they're, they're more of a administrator if, if you will um i've heard dan mckay senator dan mckay is who's also a lawyer that he he's exploring you know he may also be interested in running for attorney general and so you know reyes may have you know a a, a couple of challengers and and i do think while it's possible he'll be reelected i I, th I absolutely think he's vulnerable yeah yeah that's good insight and i mean uh he has name recognition for sure i would say he definitely has name recognition among delegates i'm not entirely sure how well an a the ag is known among the general population though to be yeah. honest so I don't, I think, I think it's kind of like the speaker, you know, for the people who know, they know, but a whole lot of people right. just never heard of them. But I'm like, so the speaker, like Brad Wilson, there's only 40,000 people in Kaysville and Layton that have ever had his name on their ballot. So the AG has been in three statewide elections and, and won them. 20 yeah, that's true. That's true. So there's a little difference there. And the AG gets a lot of um, FaceTime in front of the TV cameras, you know, uh, whoever the AG is. So and his name's on every legal pleading that his office files. And so um, I, I do think it's, I, I agree with you. He doesn't have the same visibility as the governor, uh, but I think he has as much, if not more visibility than the speaker in, in, in certain respects. So the Utah House of Representatives had some leadership changes this week. House Speaker Brad Wilson has resigned to seek the U.S. Senate seat being vacated by Senator Mitt Romney. So that's caused a shuffle in the leadership. So at the top, uh, Representative Mike Schultz, he was majority leader. He's defeated Representative Melissa Garf Ballard to become the speaker. So basically everyone has moved up. So Mike Schultz becomes speaker. Jeff Moss, who was, who was whip, now becomes majority leader. Uh, Carrie Ann Lisenby, who had been assistant whip, she becomes majority whip. And Casey Snyder is the new uh, um, House member who joins the leadership. So I think this is good. I think these are good things. And um, I am the 
the House District Chair for House District 51, Jeff Moss's district. So I do that for the uh, Utah County Republican Party. I'm a huge fan of Jeff's. I think he's a stud and he's going to do great things. And he's now, I think, the highest ranking um, member of the House from Northern Utah County. So we're excited about that because so much of the growth, as we've talked about here, so much of the growth in Utah is happening in uh, in Saratoga Springs and Eagle Mountain and Lehigh um, here in, in the northern part of the county. And so I think that definitely we've had, you know, these are good, great folks and good leaders, but we've had a lot of leadership from from Davis and Weber County, both in the House and Senate. And of course, Mike Schultz, obviously from from Weber County, too, but. So a whole lot of the leadership is uh, in that, like that uh, bountiful to Ogden corridor. <laughs> it's been dominated in both houses. It's it's more of a latent to Ogden corridor, but you're not you're not incorrect. Yeah. I, I will say, I think in the 80s and 90s, um, you'd see a lot more kind of hometowning, you know, with leadership making sure their district or their county got you know the funding. Um, that has not been the case over the last 20 years or so. Um, at all. Um, and um, and I will say, I mean, Jeff Moss was already in house leadership. So by taking one step up, it's not like that's like this huge change. He already had a seat at the table and he's very well regarded, um, very well respected. Um, but, you know, in the past, we've had John Valentine, the Senate president from Orem. We had Becky Lockhart, a speaker of the house from Provo. Kurt Bramble was the Senate majority leader. We have had a lot of leadership in the past from Utah County. And um, the the major freeway expansion that we did um, through yeah, that Lehigh corridor that expanded that about 10 years ago, that was all done, um, you know, under, um, well, it may have been started under Becky Lockhart, but it was mostly done without U- a Utah County uh, speaker or um, a Utah County uh, president of the Senate. And what I've seen since in the 12 years that I've been kicking around is like we make the universities all get together and come and give us their list um, of 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 priority buildings, like whether it's UVU or Utah State or University of Utah or, or Dixie. You know, I guess we can't call it now Utah mm-hmm. Tech down there. Um, so you know, so they kind of get together and hash it out, and then we do the same. You know, UDOT pretty much decides the transportation projects, and so th- these days th- there may be a perception out there that. Uh, Utah County is getting like the short shrift because, you know, because they're not in the speaker's role. But I, I don't see it that way at all. Now, you could say, well, sure, Todd, you're from Davis County and you've got, you know, this you, you had the speaker and the Senate president in the last five years. But I, I don't think you'll see that Davis County has gotten this huge windfall or even northern Utah. What I'm saying is that we are a very well run state. If St. George needs, you know, um, a new road or a new building. Um, they're going to get it if, if if their need outweighs Logan and if their need outweighs Salt Lake. I'm not saying we're perfect. Uh, I'm not saying that nobody can put their finger on the scale, but it's pretty good. And, you know, Jake Anderig, you know, obviously just resigned, but he liked to run around and he'd say, well, since 2014, you know, Utah County has gotten the short shrift on the public, you know, the transportation funding. He had all these statistics and all these charts. And he was absolutely right. But he was starting in 2014 because between late 2011 and 2014, we invested almost all of the money in the state transportation in Utah County for like those three or four years. 
And so like everyone else, you know, said, you've got to wait because we're doing Utah County. And then you have, you know, him saying, well, from this artificial date, once that freeway was done in Lehigh, look at, look at, we haven't been getting our share. But uh, if you went back to 2010, you'd see that Utah County um, was kind of the leader of the pack, if you understand. So statistics can be used to to tell us, you know. Uh, whatever story you want to tell. That's very fair, but that was 10 years ago. So getting the getting the uh, 2100 North Freeway built is and Mountain View Corridor extended. Yeah, it's very, can, very can high. Notice that little freeway that runs in front of Micron's facility. Well, yeah, on the but we're talking yeah. about the yeah we, we the call west that side the John of the freeway. Dougal, we call that the John Dougal Expressway because when he was in the house, he got that funded. Show me anywhere else in the state that has something like that running east and west. Uh, and you won't find one outside of Salt Lake, which is the capital city. Are you you're talking about the commu- the commuter lane part of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's nothing like that else in the state. It's brilliant. So we need to put it yeah. in other places in the state. Well, right? I, I'm just saying it, it was also um, dozens of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. And I, I'm just saying Utah County has not been neglected. <laughs> I've got three adult kids that all live in Utah County and I drive down to Lehigh. All my grandkids live in Lehigh. So you, know, but you do like, it on Sunday. You need to okay, do it on a weekday. Okay, I don't, I, Halloween was on a Tuesday this week, this last month, Corey. <laughs> so I, I, I know the traffic jams you have down there, but, <laughs> um, but, but we have traffic jams in other parts of the States too. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Nobody, so to, nobody's neglecting Utah County. I promise you <laughs> to close this out. I think we, uh, I think, we got some good leaders in, and I'm excited for them to take the positions. I, you know, I like all these folks, so so I think it's be good. All right, last topic, and we'll talk about this uh, many more times, I believe. But if uh, I don't, I don't think that we've had any additional news since Congressman John Curtis announced that he was reconsidering whether to run for Senate. So that's just that matzo ball is still hanging out there. I don't think that should stop us from speculating about who might run, though. So let's do that right now. Um, The names that are getting uh, the most attention, Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, Utah Senator Mike Kennedy. Uh, I heard him himself say that he would run if uh, if Curtis goes to Senate. Now, I don't know if he would that was off the cuff and he would change his mind, but I did hear him say it. Um, I think uh, others that would take a good hard look. Uh, I know uh, Curtis's chief of staff, Corey Norman, is a friend of mine. Uh, Utah County Commissioner Amelia Powers Gardner, definitely going to take a look at it. Could you also have Greg Hughes take another shot since he actually lives in that district this time? Does he? Um, yeah, I mean, it goes up. Doesn't he live in Draper? Yeah, he lives yeah, in Draper. So goes right up Draper. Yep. Um, could you see an out of the box like uh, Mayor Kafusi? Now, that's, that's not something I've heard, but, you know, you could see that. Someone rich from Silicon Slopes seems definitely reasonable possibility. I, I couldn't name who, but somebody rich from from uh, the other side of the freeway. Maybe Jeff Birmingham. Yeah. So, Todd, who do you see out there? I don't think there's a clear front runner. Um, I mean, if if um, Greg Hughes jumped in, I think he would be considered a front runner. But you know, he's got those two high profile losses in the last three years. And so that at some point kind of becomes a little bit of an albatross around, around your neck. Um, Amelia Gardner is certainly aspiring. And I mean that in the kindest complimentary way. Um, all of the names you mentioned, I've known Corey Norman for 25 years. Now I think he would be at a disadvantage because he doesn't have a household name, but you, you know, who didn't, who else didn't have a household name seven or eight months? 
to Les Malloy. And so and Blake you know, Moore. Nobody knew who he was either. Yeah, that both both true and Chris Stewart before he Chris ran. Chris Stewart, yeah. If we want to go back to 2012. So so you don't have to have this name. Um you know, so uh if you have no name and you have some money, that helps. Celeste had no name and no money, but she kind of won this weird summer primary, you know, cycle, um, caught people off guard. And and it was it was a strange race because everybody, including myself, expected that Hughes would win at the convention and then he didn't. So um, and, and we could talk about that for the rest of the, the, the rest of this year. But in any event, it, it's it's a wide open race. I, I don't personally I don't see um, Deidre Henderson leaving lieutenant governor to, to run for that. Mm-hmm. But but who knows? What do I know? I haven't talked to her about it. She did run for that seat when Curtis ran the first time. Um, so, but that's when she was in the state Senate. Um, you know, Mike Kennedy ran for Mitt Romney's seat, you know, just six years ago. So, you know, that, you know, I, I don't know why he would want to be in the Senate six years ago and would rather be in the House now. Uh, but that would be interesting. He's very conservative and very well liked. And, you know, he's got his name out there from running against Mitt Romney. So yeah. And real quick, I don't, I don't want to say that he's made an announcement. I'm no, just no, saying, no, overheard no, a conversation he, and he's probably like, Corey, why are you saying this? But um, yeah, but, but, but why wouldn't he consider it? And yeah. and why would he make an announcement before Curtis has even, you know, decided, but, um, and, and, and because Utahns don't seem to care all that much, you know, if, if you live in the district, we could see all kinds of people running. We could see Bruce Huff jump in again. We could see yep. who knows. I mean, Becky Edwards. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm just being flippant now. But uh, because Utahns don't seem to care, you know, you could get some people from the other three districts as well. Yeah, and I mean, it takes in Sandy. You could get one of them. I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting district because I think there's actually a, a lot of folks who who are interested, and in, there's probably a lot of potential for someone to come out of the woodwork too. Yeah, I think the better question, and 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 don't take offense at this, Corey, is like who who really wants to leave Utah right now and go live in D.C. and work in that toxic you know cesspool of a mess like in the house right now? We're like like it like you know just keeping the speaker is a full time job this fall. I, I'm I'm being. No, it's a, a good question, and I I yeah. think the chances of us losing the house are very good if we don't yeah. get our act together too. So yeah. you're talking about being in the minority. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. All right, we're going to continue that conversation, I'm sure, especially if uh, if Curtis jumps in. But as of now, that's good enough. And remember, I keep, okay, two things, Corey. You have to mail in your ballot by tomorrow, Monday, or by Monday, whenever you're listening to this, by Monday, November 20th. Is that the, the date? Yeah. Um, if it's If you're listening to this on Tuesday the 21st, you can still vote, but you have to take your ballot to a polling place and turn it in. You can't mail it. If you're going to mail it, it has to be postmarked. By Monday. So if you drop it off at the post office uh, after hours and it's not going to get postmarked until Tuesday, that won't count. So that's number one. Number two, remember the filing deadline is the first week of January. So we are going to know by like January 10th exactly who's running for what because um, it'll be too late on January 11th. I- I'm making up the dates, but it's the first week of January. Yeah. So I have to file for reelection for my seat. John Curtis is going to have to file. Um, you know, so we're going to know everything in, in less than two months and just over a month, actually. Great. That's going to be exciting. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye.